Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We do appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you being here. Hey, uh, so today we are going to do an episode similar to what we did a couple of weeks ago. So as you may or may not hope, know, hopefully you know, we've been doing this brand new YouTube channel where every single week we're doing speech breakdowns of some of the more popular TED Talks and speeches and presentations on YouTube and online. And we're going through those presentations and giving you the ins and outs of what worked, what didn't work, and how you can take what they use and apply to your own presentations and talks and make you a better speaker and presenter. So we did this, uh, shared this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. We're going to be doing that again today, where we're going to be taking a speech breakdown that we recently did from Mel Robbins. Now, Mel is a very popular keynote speaker and presenter, and uh, so she's a very good, very good speaker. And so there's a lot that you're going to be able to learn from this speech and presentation. Now, obviously, you're going to get the audio side of it. If you want the full experience, you want to make sure that you go over to youtube.com slash the speaker lab, where again, you can just go to youtube.com and search for the speaker lab or speech breakdown, and you will find a long list of different speech breakdowns that we have done there. So a lot that you're going to learn here and a lot that you're going to be able to take and apply to your next presentation in the speech breakdown with Mel Robbins. Enjoy. Bigger welcome. Hello, San Francisco. TEDx. Oh my God, blinding light. Hi, everybody. How are you? Fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my name is Mel Robbins. Okay, now this is a, there's some, there's, there's people who have different ways of approaching that first line of the talk. Whenever you first come out for a presentation, that is the, the moment where you may have the most attention and the most engagement from an audience. They have no idea where you're gonna go. They have no idea what kind of presentation you're going to give. So those first few words are really, 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 really important. So for some speakers, they will come out and they do a little bit of uh, crowd engagement of, hey, how's everybody doing? I can't hear you. Uh, you know, good to be here in San Francisco or wherever you are in the world. World. And there's pros and cons to doing that. And, you know, in one way, uh, it can come across a little bit cheesy. It can come across a little bit hokey. It can come across a little bit stereotypical for a speaker. Uh, and another way, maybe it does endear you a little bit to the crowd. So for most speakers, though, they like to come out there. They like to plant and begin their presentation or talk. Now, it seems like that this is an audience based on the response, based on the... Obviously, we don't have the context here. Uh, we have no idea who's in the audience or what the introduction was that led her to say some of these things. So uh, Mel is a phenomenal speaker. She knows what she's doing. So I'm totally happy to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one. Um, but uh, for most speakers, what you want to do is whenever you come out to a cold audience that's not familiar with you, you want to plant and then begin without doing any kind of the warm-up stuff. And for the last 17 years, I have done nothing but help people get everything that they want. Yeah. <laughs> Within reason, my husband's here. Um, 
And so I've done it in the courtroom, in the boardroom, uh, in the bedroom, in people's living room, whatever room you want to be in. If I'm there, I will help you get whatever you want by any means necessary. For the okay, now this is again an interesting opening here because she's talking about, I'm gonna help you get whatever you want, listing a couple different scenarios, a couple different contexts, and for an audience, they're immediately sucked in and going like, okay, I, I, I'm interested. You know, I got some things that come into mind of things that I would like, prefer personally or professionally, or whatever it may be, and if this speaker's getting ready to tell me how I can do that, then it's gonna naturally make me a lot more engaged and wanna be tuned in with where she's going to go. Now, this also feels like she's kind of, uh, so it feels like she's riffing a little bit there, it feels like this is not necessarily a really scripted opening. Typically, whenever you have an opening for your talk, typically the opening, the closing, and some of the transitions are typically gonna be the pieces that are most tight and most uh, tightly scripted. And so it doesn't necessarily feel like that here. It's not necessarily a bad thing, just again, kind of a, an observation uh, for how she is presenting here to get started. Last three years, I've host, I host a syndicated radio show. Five days a week, I go live in 40 cities and I talk to men and women across America who feel stuck. Do you know that a third of Americans feel dissatisfied with their lives right now? That is a hundred million people. That's insane. And I've come face to face with it in this new show that I'm doing, which is also insane. It's called In-Laws. I move in with families across America You Good example there of where humor works by just pausing, where I'm moving in with families, so people are immediately connecting like, wow, that sounds like a, a miserable experience, that sounds horrible, and so she's able to create some humor there without necessarily having to say anything. She can use her facial expressions, which she did a good job of there, but then also the pause is what creates the humor. ...who are at war with their in-laws. I'm gonna tell you everything I know in less than 18 minutes about how to get what you want. So I want you to take a millisecond right now and I want you to think about what you want. You. And I want you to be selfish. Screw Simon and the wee thing. This is about me, right now. Now, my guess is that this is a callback to a previous talk or presentation. This is where it's important as a speaker that if you're speaking at a conference where there's other pre uh, presenters or speakers or other things that are going on, that the more you can attend, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to attend every single conference or every single session, but the more that you're there and the more other sessions that you're a part of, the more you can make some references and make some callbacks. So for example, Last week, uh, I was speaking at a conference and I got there, um, it was a leadership conference for this uh, this company, and so everybody there works for the same company. And uh, a couple speakers before me, about an hour before I spoke, there was one of the vice presidents who spoke, and he used a line that made no sense to me, but was hilarious to the company. So I made some notes about that, I asked for a little bit more context, and as soon as I got up to speak, that was my opening line, was basically a play off of what that guy had said earlier. And so the, the, the joke, the humor, is the the callback, the reference to something earlier. So it makes no sense to anybody outside of the room, which is what's happening right now, is that unless you're there and you know what it is that Mel is referencing, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But to the people in the room, it feels very endearing. It feels very engaging because we're all in this together. We're all collectively, we're able to experience this. So anytime you can reference or call back to another speaker or presenter that spoke earlier uh, and, and everybody would be on the same page with, then it makes a lot of sense. Or any type of like um, current event or something that every everybody would be on the same page with. It can be really, really powerful and effective. Simon, um, what do you want? And here's the deal. I don't want it to sound good to other people. 
Being healthy will not get your ass on a treadmill. Losing your man boobs so you could hook up with somebody? Now that's motivation. <laughs> so I want to know, what do you want? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to triple your income? Do you want to start a nonprofit? Do you want to find love? What is it? Get it right here. You know what it is. Don't analyze it to death. Just pick something. That's part of the problem. You won't pick. Now, this also raises a question for what it is that she's talking about is do most people actually know what it is that they want? I think for some people, maybe they do. I think for me, as I'm just kind of thinking through it from an observer, from a spectator standpoint, I'm trying to think through what is it that I want? I can come up with maybe some ideas personally or professionally, and maybe she is saying like, hey, just any of those things that come to mind, just pick one of those to roll with. So it might be interesting though, if she dug in a little bit there and talked about how do you figure out what it is that you actually want? Or maybe it is things that you know that you want, but you're having to feel like you have to rationalize it or justify why it is that you want that thing and why it's not necessarily a bad thing to want whatever that thing is. We're going to be talking about how you get what you want. And frankly, getting what you want is simple. But notice I didn't say it was easy. It's very simple. In fact, if you think about it, we live in the most amazing moment in time. So that thing that you have up here, whatever it may be, you want to use healthy eating to cure your diabetes, you want to figure out how to take care of uh, the elders and start a new hospice center, you want to move to Africa and build a school, guess what? Now you may notice here where she's walking, she's doing a lot of moving around the stage and it, and it makes sense. I think she's doing a good job with that. But right now at this particular spot where she's really come out of where the light is. Now this could be, uh, there's a couple different types of lighting for stages. Sometimes it's going to be just a, a spotlight, which is going to be very, very difficult for the, for the speaker to see the audience. I personally am not a fan of that. I personally prefer when the, the house lights are about 50% or higher. Uh, I like to be able to see the room, see the audience if not completely lit, right? Now sometimes in this type of context, there needs to be some light house lights that are down so that there is some more stage type of lighting. So it's, it makes the experience of the stage a little bit more heightened there. But if you're going to be a speaker who has a either a, a stage lights or has a spotlight or something that's on them, you want to try to be aware of where that light is. And so that may mean that perhaps it's marked out on the stage. Maybe there's actually physically tape. Uh, I know there's several events that I've spoke at we're on the stage to say you have to stay in this box or you have to stay between these two lines. You can go anywhere you want as long as you stay inside this box. So that's something that especially on a uh, when you're doing like a sound check or you're doing some type of AV check ahead of time that you can you can look at and pay attention to is like is the lighting going to be off or is it, if I go over here to make this point or illustration or typically I go over here to get this prop or this thing or I need to go down to the audience this way am I going to be out of shot of the camera or am I going to is it going to mess up the lighting in some way. So again all of those are things to be aware of ahead of time so that when you're on stage, it's not something that you're trying to worry about or think about. You could walk into a bookstore right now and buy at least 10 books written by credentialed experts on how the hell you do it. You could Google it and you could probably find at least, I don't know, a thousand blogs documenting the step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step transformation that somebody else is already doing. 
So again, do you see how different the lighting is for her when she's in the middle or kind of on the outskirts there Then she's really well lit. As soon as she goes to the edges, I personally, I agree, I like going to the edges there, but you wanna know where that lighting is because now all of a sudden it looks much darker for her face for, uh, for, for just the, the lighting is no longer good uh, in the spots where she's at. You can find anybody online and cyber stalk them. You can just walk in their footsteps and let the, you know, just use the science of drafting. Follow what everyone else has done, because somebody else is already doing it. So why don't you have what you want? See the difference there? When you have all the information that you need, you have the contacts that you need, there are probably free tools online that allow you to start a business or join a group or do whatever the heck you want. It all comes down to one word. Interesting word. Shut the front door, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the F-bomb. It's everywhere. You hear it all the time, and I, I honestly don't understand what the appeal is of the word. I mean, you don't sound smart when you say it. And it's really not expressing how you really feel. It's sort of a cheap, you know, shot to take. And of course, you know, I'm talking about the word fine. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Okay, now this is obviously a good play on words. So you see what she did there. She puts up the F word, the F bomb. People are assuming it's that F bomb. And she starts kind of talking about it as if it is. And really, it's something that it uh, is not. So good playful uh, use there. Now again, depending on the nature of, of, of your style as a speaker, depending on who you're speaking to or the context, you gotta be cautious with doing something like that with language or putting something like that up on the screen that may offend or tick off or upset uh, some members of the audience or the company. Because you gotta remember, your uh, whoever it is that hired you, whoever it is that brought you in, they're in the risk mitigation business. They You want to make sure that you make them look good. So after the event, that any other coworkers, colleagues, bosses, committees, boards, any of that stuff, they all think, you know what, um, John or Sally or whoever, you made the best possible choice in picking this speaker. They made us look amazing. They didn't embarrass us. They didn't say anything weird. They didn't say anything that was inappropriate or anything like that. So if you're going to use language, if that's something that you normally do that's kind of on brand for you, then you can probably get away with it if it's something that they are expecting you to do whenever you speak. And there's some speakers that are like that. They have no filter and they're going to say, they're going to swear from stage and you just kind of know that's what you get whenever you are hiring that kind of speaker. That's fine if you want to be that kind of speaker. There's nothing wrong with that. But you also have to be cautious that if the client's not aware that you're going to do this, that it may be something that potentially catches them off guard or could potentially offend them. Oh really? You are? Dragging around those extra 40 pounds? You're fine? If you're crappy, say you're crappy. If you're amazing, say you're amazing. Tell the truth. The bigger issue with fine is that you say it to yourself. That thing that you want, I guarantee you, you've convinced yourself that you're fine not having it. That's why you're not pushing yourself. Powerful moment there. You know, she slowed down her cadence a little bit. You've convinced yourself that you're fine not having it. So again, slowing down the cadence, pausing there, creates a much more powerful moment. So really well done there. And you know, one of the reasons why this word also just annoys me so much, is scientists have calculated, oh yeah, I'm coming down. Scientists have calculated the odds of you 
being born. Let's talk about this coming down off of stage. I'm a huge fan of this, all right? Because all of a sudden, it takes what is normal and usual for a audience. They're assuming that there's their speaker, the speaker is supposed to stay on stage, and all of a sudden the speaker gets off. It breaks what they are used to. It breaks the norm. And so all of a sudden it increases their engagement, increases their their uh, attention, because now all of a sudden they're thinking, oh my gosh, what, is she gonna come to me? She's, she's, she's getting closer to me. She's walking down this aisle, and so it just, all of a sudden you are able as a speaker to get much closer to the audience and it causes them to be much more engaged. Now, one of the things you have to be aware of is again, the lighting, the video, the audio, those are things that you wanna check ahead of time. So I, again, I like getting off of stage. So I always check with the AV crew ahead of time. Hey, are you okay if I get off the stage and walk around? They're like, yeah, yeah, as long as you don't go in front of the speaker. If you go in front of the speaker, it's gonna create loud feedback. It's gonna ruin it for everybody. So you wanna know what those types of things are, but making sure that you check on that stuff ahead of time. You also gotta be aware, you'll notice immediately that everybody in the first few rows has to turn around to see her speaking and to see her, her presenting. Now, it's fine, but they're probably not going to uh, to be that attentive if they have to do that for 10, 20, 30, 45 minutes or so. But if it's something where she's moving around a lot and they're just kind of being able to follow without having to be turned around the whole time, then they're gonna be okay with that. So just again, something to be aware of that she probably, uh, for me, if there's two aisles there, she's gonna come down this aisle, she's gonna speak for a few minutes, uh, and then maybe she's gonna go around and go to another aisle and continually move around to keep the audience engaged. So I'm a huge, huge fan of this. You just gotta make sure you think through some of the AV things ahead of time. That's right, they've crunched the numbers. I see you up there. They have crunched the numbers on you. Yeah, no, you guys standing up, you wanna sit down for this. They've crunched the numbers on you being Good. born. I like this. And they took into account all of the wars and the natural disasters okay. so again, going and to the, the other side. dinosaurs and everything else. And do you realize you see what she's doing there? She's not even necessarily, there's not, it doesn't look like there's a real clear uh, aisle that she can walk through to get to the other side. She's just kind of cutting through a rope, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because again, it heightens the engagement of the audience. People are wondering where is she going? What's she gonna say? And so it keeps an audience on their toes. Again, really, really big fan of what she's doing here. The odds of you. Yeah, right here, put your computer away. Stand up for me, Doug. <laughs> Oh, this is good. Okay, calling out a very specific person. So it's one thing to say, all of you feel like this, but instead of saying you, you, this one specific person, let's talk about you for a second. Now, I have no idea where she's going with this, and I'm sure the person that just got called on and the audience is really nervous about what's gonna happen next. So I'm just as excited. Let's uh, check it out. So the odds of Doug here, turn around, say hi to everybody. The odds, yeah, of Doug, Doug being born. At the moment in time he was born, to the parents you were born to, with the DNA structure that you have, a hundred, or no, one and four hundred trillion. Isn't that amazing? I'm so lucky. Yes. <laughs> You're not fine. You're fantastic. You have life-changing ideas for a reason, and it's not to torture yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Doug.
Now that was a powerful moment there. Did you notice that? Did you notice she's eyeing this person like one-on-one, -on -one, just looking them in the eye and having this kind of real authentic moment with just them. So even though she's not doing this with every single person in the audience there, this one powerful moment she's having with this one seemingly unsuspecting audience member creates a powerful moment for the entire audience there. And that's something that she could have even leaned into a little bit more and could have continued to, to follow through with uh, of talking to them. Do you realize that you, you right here in this moment, Moment, you are one in 400 trillion and she's not talking to everybody she's just talking to this one person and yet she's still talking with the entire audience a really really powerful moment there you know Christine was right when she said all of you could be on stage because all of you we're all in this category one and four hundred trillion all day long you have ideas that could change your life that could change the world that could change the way that you feel and what do you do with them? Nothing. Oh, hopefully I won't moon you. <laughs> you didn't pay for that. Um, it's a good throwaway line there. And I want you to just think for a minute. Because now, because she's come down to the floor, the audience is also wondering, is she going to do it again? And if so, when? And is she gonna come my direction? So the audience is still gonna be a little bit more tuned in. Now there's gonna be a natural kind of uh, decrease in attention. That tends to be the case with most audiences. As the longer you speak, the, 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 you're gonna have to kind of engage them more uh, or do different things to keep them engaged. And so um, her coming off stage is a simple little physical thing that she can do. So really interested to see if she comes off stage and does it again. Now, it's a short talk, it's a TED talk, so she's got about uh, 18 minutes, 20 minutes or so, so she may not do it again. If there's a longer presentation, she came off within the first few minutes, there's a really good chance she's gonna do it again, which again keeps the audience engaged. I'll have, I love to use the analogy, the inner snooze button. You have these amazing ideas that bubble up, right? You've been watching people all day, and I guarantee you, like, you know, ping pong balls, boom, 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 boom. You've got idea, oh, we should do this, we should do that. And every time you have an idea, what do you do? Boop, hit the snooze. What's the first decision you made this morning? I bet it was to go back to bed. <laughs> yep, the first decision today. I'm a one in 400 trillion, I'm gonna go back to sleep. And I get it, your bed is comfortable. It's cozy, it's warm. If you're lucky, you've got, you know, like somebody that you love next to you, or in my case, I've got my husband and my two kids and possibly the dog. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing up this first decision that you made today and the inner snooze alarm is because in any area of your life that you want to change, any, there's one fact that you need to know. Just one. You're never going to feel like it. Good point. Ever. No one's coming. Motivation isn't happening. Let's talk about slides for a second. Now, one thing that you've seen with some of these slides, they're really basic. It doesn't have to necessarily be something that's extremely, uh, um, really well polished or designed. There's black and white text, right? And that's that's it. And that is effective, though, for what it is that she's talking about, what she's doing. The pictures that she's shown so far, are just basic pictures on a white background, and that can, again, can be very, very effective. So you don't have to have like some overly designed, overly complicated type of slides. Sometimes it's just black and white can be very effective. It's very, very simple to get what you want but it's not easy. You have to force yourself 
And I mean force. And the reason why I use the word force, when Roz was up here and talking about the um, emotion tracking and she had the picture of the two sides of the brain, I look at the brain the exact same way. Only I describe one side of your brain as autopilot and the other side as emergency brake. Or I mean, if you need food, what do you feel? If you need water, what do you feel? If you need sex, what do you feel? Thank you. That's a good, simple little interaction there with the audience of kind of this call and response. So, you know, in this case, she's talking about different scenarios of how you're feeling. Uh, and so it's natural what the, what the audience would say in response to that, what that answer would be. So as long as you're doing something um, where the audience would all know and they're, again, all on the same page for it. So, you know, if you're talking about opposites, you know, um, instead of feeling cold, you want to feel hot instead of feeling instead of going uh, north you could go south instead of you know whatever it may be whatever it is that you're talking about but doing something there where it gives the audience engaged so she's doing from the moving around the audience to these little engagements to these little um, these little, little things that she's doing these little touch points that again keeps the audience engaged you think when you feel stuck or dissatisfied in your life it's a signal and it's not a signal that your life is broken it's a signal that one of your most basic needs are not being met. The other thing that it does very quickly is if you have one of those little impulses that are pulling you, if you don't marry it with an action within five seconds, you pull the emergency brake and kill the idea. Kill it. If you have the impulse to get up and come dance while the band is playing, if you don't stand up in five seconds, you're gonna pull the emergency brake. If you have an impulse about you were inspired by somebody's speech today and you don't do something within five seconds, write a note, send yourself a text, anything physical to marry it with the idea, you will pull the emergency brake and kill the idea. Your problem isn't ideas, your problem is you don't act on them. Okay, now this is again another really good point there with a really, really practical application. Because it's one thing to just kind of talk about this, you know, pie in the sky type of idea, but it's another thing to say, hey, here's here's a five second rule you can implement in your life starting right now. So next time that you hear some type of thing, implement on that, take action on that, do something with that in that within those five seconds, or you're not gonna do anything. So this is again a really, really good application for what it is that she's been talking about. It's not my fault. It's not anybody's fault. You're doing it to yourself. Stop it. I'm counting on you. One and 400 trillion. You got stuff to do. And it's not gonna happen in your head. So I want you to practice this today. When we go off to party, thank God it's coming soon because I think we all could use a cocktail. <laughs> I want you to practice the five second rule. You see somebody and you think they have that impulse, they look interesting. Walk over there. You were inspired by somebody and you have a request, make it. That's why you're here. Experiment with it and I think you'll be shocked about what happens. And one more thing, you know, I, I, um, 
Now, this is a TED Talk, so it's gonna be limited in the amount of time that she has, but one thing she could do here is she could go into several more examples. So she's talking about it in the context of this particular event, which is good, you know, in the next few minutes when the event wraps up and they're at a cocktail party, it sounds like, then here's a few practical little things that people could do to implement and apply this immediately. But whenever you go home, whenever you think of something with your spouse or something with your kids or you're at work on Monday, and she can name a couple of different specific scenarios of how she, how someone could apply the five second rule, that could be another thing that again could dig a little bit further and lean into this topic a little bit more know that everything that I do whether it's the radio show or the television show or the book that I wrote or the column it's for you and if there is anything that I can do if I can do anything to make you do the things you don't want to do so you can have what you want I will do it but you need to walk over you need to open your mouth and you need to make the request. You got it? Good. Go do it. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, stand up. You have the impulse. Stand up. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that speech breakdown, taking uh, Mel Robbins' popular TED Talk and uh, breaking it down. So again, if you like that, make sure you stop by and check out youtube.com slash thespeakerlab, youtube.com slash thespeakerlab, or go search for speech breakdown and uh, you will find our mini speech breakdowns that we have done there, all different types of talks and presentations that you're going to take and learn from and apply to your next talk. So make sure that you, if you like these, then make sure you subscribe not only to the podcast, but also to the YouTube channel. And uh, we really do appreciate it. It really does help us out. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.